Hey everybody, welcome to the Love Monday podcast. I am pleased to be back with you today for another episode. And today's episode is actually going to be a rerun of a previous episode that we had just back in May. But the reason I'm doing that is because this time we are kicking off a series on the horrible boss problem. So if you listen to many of these podcasts or listen to any of my social media videos, you'll know that the fourth mistake that makes people hate Monday is having a bad boss or horrible boss and keeping them. And that's what we want to talk about, how to fix your horrible boss problem. Now, I'm going to have some new episodes coming up, but I thought this a good place to start with this is this episode we had called Interviewing Your New Boss, because it's going to go through a series of questions you can ask when you're interviewing a new boss. So you're interviewing for a new job, basically. But these 12 questions can help you know whether or not this boss is going to be a great boss or a horrible boss. And a lot of people, when I bring this up, they say, well, I can't ask 12 questions at a job interview. Yeah, you can. And if these these questions start going well for you, if you ask one or two or three or four and they're going well, you're going to want to know the answers to the other 12 questions or the, the, the rest of the 12 questions. And so, and, and the converse is also true. If you are having, if you're going through an interview and you ask a couple of these questions and the boss is not answering them satisfactorily, then you're going to want to just drop it and you're not going to want to take that job. So that's why this episode is so ground laying and, and, and foundational for where we're headed in the next few episodes. Now, we're going to kick it off this week, but then next week we're going to have a little bit of a break because I've got a special guest, Ron Thurston, going to be on our, our podcast for next week. Um, he's the author of Retail Pride. And we're, so we're going we're gonna to have that in there, but we're going to kick off this Horrible Boss series this week by having you re-listen to interviewing your new boss. I think you're going to find it really helpful. And this is, these are questions you could ask in a one-on-one, one-on-one with a current boss if you want to know just whether or not they're, maybe it'll give you some hints as, as to why they're not a great boss if you're feeling they're not a great boss. So this is all about helping you feel better and, and being in a better situation in your job. So listen to this episode. Hope you enjoy it. If you didn't hear it before, if you did hear it before, I hope you enjoy it again. We'll be back next week with a live, well, not a live one, but a new episode with Ron Thurston. And then following that, we're going to have a few episodes about fixing the horrible boss problem. Everything from conversations to do you need to go find a new boss to different hints and ideas that you can use to fix your horrible boss problem so that you you can love Monday just like Friday, but for a different reason. So I hope you enjoy this episode or re-enjoy this episode if you've heard it before, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Love Monday podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed, then I take that thank you for subscribing back. That's okay. I'll save it for you for when you subscribe. But just subscribe. You'll get this waiting for you every Monday. And that's what you really want, isn't it? All right. A lot of people are out of work right now. A lot of people have been laid off from their jobs in the past several months to the last year or so. If you're one of them, if you're out of work, this episode is going to help you. What if you're not unemployed, but you still don't love what you do? Lucky you, because this episode is also going to help you. Today, we're talking about interviewing for a new boss. Back on January 10th, I released my most downloaded and listened to episodes so far. It's called Having a Horrible Boss and Keeping Them. I think that title resonated for... Resonated. 
Uh, anyway, kind of a weird Freudian slip there. I think that one really resonated with a lot of people. Why did it resonate? Because of what I call a bad, or not a bad boss, but a horrible boss pandemic. Anybody ever hear of a pandemic before? What a pandemic is? Anybody know what that means? Uh-huh. A pandemic is a widespread occurrence of an infectious disease over a whole country or the world at a particular time. Hmm. Interesting. A widespread occurrence of an infectious disease over a whole country or the world at a particular time. This is why I'm taking credit for this. I've coined the term the horrible boss pandemic because it's spot on, precise, high resolution, and completely and 100% accurate. That's what we've got is a horrible boss pandemic. We have an infectious disease, horrible bosses. What makes it infectious? Because it's likely to be transmitted to people, organisms, and organizations, etc., through the environment. You're affected by just being around a horrible boss. It's a pandemic because it starts with the hiring of a bad boss and then another bad boss and another and another. Before you know it, the whole organism, your organization, is affected. And it starts by the way we pick bosses in organizations. So how do we do that? How do we pick bosses? What are the reasons people go into management? We talked about this a little bit before, I think, but let's have a little refresher. We pick bosses for one of the following reasons. Now, there might be some others, but these are the main ones. Number one, they're the top individual contributor. Number two, they're at the top of their salary grade, and all salary grades lead to management when you top out in one of them. Number three, nepotism and favoritism. Number four, they say they want to be a manager, but nobody, including them, knows why. So let's go through a little bit of detail on these for a little explanation purpose. So the, the whole being the top individual, individual contributor idea. In this, in most cases, yes, most cases, does not yield the best choice for a boss. Why? Because you can't be the best at two completely non-related things. Being the top performer in a role and being the best manager are, are apples and lawnmowers. They're not even in the same category. Next, they've topped out in their salary grade. So this is the next reason is they've topped out in their salary grade, and so they want to make more money. It's ridiculous that we even have to go here. And if there's anybody not earning their money in this situation, it is our quote-unquote compensation experts. And I'm not going to slag on them. It's just that we can do better. Why do we have tops on salary grades? Really? Nobody's ever been able to explain the reason for that. Why do we do that? Is pushing people at the top of their salary grade into management the best you've got to offer if you're a compensation professional? Really? That's your best answer for this? How about not putting caps on those salary grades in the first place? There. I just solved that problem for you. My bill is in the mail. I mean, why we build these salary boxes or grades and you better darn well stay in that box. If you get out of that box, it causes all kinds of havoc, all kinds of problems. Because if you stay long enough to top out in that box, we don't really know what to do with you anymore. So we put you in another non-related box like management where you'll probably fail. It's a bad answer. Instead, we need to measure for aptitude as people come in the door, measure everybody for leadership aptitude. And there are assessments out there that are pretty sound in doing this. Now, there's more to it than just an assessment, but that's a darn good place to start. 
So if somebody shows propensity for leadership, move them immediately to roles where they can get exposure, experience, and practice leading people. There should be entry-level positions in your organization that give people opportunities to lead people. But how often have you been in an organization where they do that? You don't. Management and leadership starts at a, at a grade that is higher than most of the people in your organization. So they have had to prove their leadership in other ways, but usually they don't. Usually they don't have the opportunity, and that's why we end up with bad bosses when we, when we do it this way, when we say all roads lead to leadership once you top out in your salary grade. It's a bad answer. So instead, measure for aptitude. Measure everyone for aptitude. If they have leadership aptitude, you better darn well find some entry-level leadership positions that they can go right into, even if they're new out of college, new, to, new out of high school, new to the organization, put them through some sort of assessment to get a good feel for whether or not they even have the ability to be a leader. The next reason is nepotism and favoritism. They're the owner's kid or they're the boss's favorite. I have a friend who is a senior director in accounting for her organization. And about a year ago, they replaced her boss with somebody else. And here, here are the qualifications that her new boss had, this senior level leader in this organization. As far as accounting and leadership goes, here are, is her experience. The senior leader's experience is she's the owner's daughter, the person who owns the company. It's her daughter. Now, that's fine. I'm not against that. But did she prove she has leadership experience? It would play out from what I've heard that she has no leadership experience, no leadership aptitude. Her only qualifications are she is in the family. Not a good answer. Finally, that last reason we talked about is that those who want to be a manager, the, the people who just want to be, listen to them, but make sure you can prove why they have a propensity by putting them through that aptitude measurement that we talked about. So since we have such weak processes for finding bosses and even weaker processes for choosing bosses, we have a bad boss pandemic or a horrible boss pandemic. What's my evidence? 82%. Yeah, a number, 82%. 82% of the time, companies choose the wrong person to be the boss. This comes from a, a, a multi-decade study done by the Gallup organization on what makes great leaders great. So 82% of the time, companies choose the wrong person, which means 82% of the bosses out there right now are ill-prepared and ill-fit for the job. 82% of bosses right now are doing the wrong things. 82% of the bosses are not doing the right things. Those are two different things, by the way. 82% of us have bosses that make us hate Mondays even more than we would otherwise. Now, it's not all the boss. If you hate Monday, it's not all the boss. Some of it's you. Okay, all of it's you. Your boss's boss, your boss isn't going to change. Probably not going to change unless they really want to. And your boss's boss can't make your boss change either. They could change the boss. They could get rid of the one and bring in another one. But if they chose a bad boss in the first place, they're likely to choose another bad boss in the second. Why is that? Because people don't often change, not until they're forced to change. So if you can't get your boss to change, then you have to change your boss, not change their nature, change bosses. Remember the fourth mistake that makes people hate Monday. Say it with me, everyone. Having a horrible boss and keeping them. 
That's right. Having a horrible boss and keeping them is your mistake. So stop making it and get a new boss. If you're going to get a new boss, you'll need to interview them. That's the mindset shift we need to have about job interviews. From now on, you don't look at a job interview as you going to an interview and hoping you'll be picked. No, you're not being interviewed. You're doing the interviewing. And who are you interviewing? Come on. Who are you interviewing? That's right. You're interviewing for a new manager, a new boss, not a new job. You're interviewing for a new boss. Why do I say not a new job? Because picking the job's already passed for the most part. You did that before you applied for this position. Now you might be asking some final clarifying questions about that job, but the job is a job and whether it's at one company or another is not going to make much difference. Really isn't. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute here. What is going to make a difference is who your boss is because 70% of the variance in employee engagement is attributable to your direct supervisor. What, what we mean here is because whether or not you're engaged in your job is almost exclusively about your boss and who your boss is and how good they are at being a boss. All right, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to explore how you interview your new boss. Hey, do you want to love Monday just like Friday, but for a different reason? You need to get out to lovemondaylikefriday.com and sign up for one of the memberships. The basic membership gives you unlimited access to all of the resources, the videos, the resources, the questions, the exercises, the worksheets, all of those things, unlimited access to all the content. The premium membership gives you all of that plus monthly time with me in a group coaching session. So go out, sign up at lovemondaylikefriday.com. Check the link in the show notes and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, before we go into how you interview for a new boss, I want to touch for a moment on how you decide on the job and the company. Because I said before the break, you're not interviewing for a job, you're interviewing a new boss. You've already decided what the job is and what job you want and what company you want. So first, you're going to focus on what you do best, doing a deep dive into those things that you really rock at doing, the things you really have peak experiences for. Time passes without notice, you're in the flow, you can't wait to do it again. Those things that you really rock. You're also gonna look at what drives your career. And then you're also gonna look at what your talents and strengths are. From that, you're going to define a couple of roles that you can just completely rock. If you can do those things, 75% of the time or better, maybe 80, 85% of the time, you're just going to be having peak experiences and loving what you do. Then you're going to narrow your search and focus on no more than five companies that you would just love to work for. And probably five is too many, but that'll give you some space in case some of these companies aren't hiring. So choose no more than five companies though. And those five companies have to have the roles that you can rock, those two, those two roles that we've, we've narrowed it down to. But once you know the only places you would want to work, you're not going to look for jobs anywhere else until you find that these places aren't hiring. That's the only exception to that. Then we're going to expand that, li that list of five to more than that. Now, I'm, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to a place you can go to, to on lovemondaylikefriday.com where you can download a PDF that's going to give you a worksheet. The PDF is the worksheet that is going to help you do what I call the 5 by 5 Love Monday analysis. So you can go pick five companies 
and five reasons for each that you would love working for that company. So that's a free download. Go out and get it at lovemondaylikefriday.com. Look in the show notes for the link. Okay, there are reasons for all of this, but if you do this, do it this way, you are not months from Loving Monday. You're weeks from Loving Monday, just like Friday, but for a different reason. Now, this has happened in 100% of the cases with people that I have personally coached. When we do it this way, they find a job quickly and they love that job. It just happens every single time. It's a tried and true process and it will work for you too. When you get to that level of clarity, the job will find its way to you. You don't have to go find the job. It will find its way to you. So it's a little bit of upfront work and preparation, but if you do it, if you put in the time, this is going to be easier than you thought it was going to be. It really is. Now, I have tons of resources out on lovemondaylikefriday.com, courses, videos, resources that are going to help you get to this. And so there is a, uh, a monthly membership that you can sign up for. There's a basic that'll give you all these things. There's a premium that'll give you all these things plus monthly time with me. So if you want to do that, you can go out there and get all these resources. But I'm going to give you a couple of things in free downloads through the show notes today that are going to get you started. So take advantage of it. If you hate Monday, what are you waiting for? All right. So the cool thing is that you're probably going to get a job that is like a level or three above what you're applying for if you're going to do it the old-fashioned way of just thinking you're being interviewed instead of you doing the interviewing. So now on to the interview process, and it's pretty simple. First, the hiring manager and everyone in that interview other than you are going to be thinking that they're interviewing you, which is kind of funny. Well, it doesn't seem funny because this isn't your mindset yet, but you need to shift your mindset and to you're doing the interviewing here. And you know, they're, they're, it's normal for them to think that they're going, they're interviewing you. So go ahead and let them think that. It is kind of cute when you think about it, actually. But you and I know better. We know that you're conducting this interview. Anyway, because they think they're interviewing you, they're going to lead with a bunch of questions job fit stuff, behavioral stuff, situational questions, all those things that you're kind of used to in job interviews. They think they're interviewing you, so let them ask those questions. Answer those questions to the best of your ability. That is all cool. Go ahead and answer those questions that you know to keep up the illusion that they're in control. It'll be fun to watch. Then when you get to ask your questions, I want you to go in prepared to ask these 12 questions. What are, number one, what are the specific expectations you have for me on this, in this job and how will you let me know I'm meeting those expectations? Number two, having the right tools for the job is important to me. What does your team say about the tools, applications, and processes they have for doing their jobs? Number three, I feel like my greatest talents are blank and blank, blank, what proportion of time will I get to do and use those talents in this role? Number four, tell me about your approach to praise and recognition for the people on your team. Number five, how do you build a rapport with the people who report to you? Can you give me an example? Number six, tell me your greatest employee development success story. Number seven, how do you find out the opinions of, your, of the people on your team? And then what do you do with those opinions? Number eight, how does this job and what I'll be doing relate to the mission and purpose of this organization? 
Number nine, are the current members of your team committed to doing great work? How do you know they are? Are there any members of your team that are struggling and why are they struggling? And you don't, they don't have to give you names, but you just want to know in general who's struggling and why are they struggling? Number 10, what do you do to foster relationships of trust and friendship among the team? Number 11, how often do you talk to employees about their progress and what does that process look like? Number 12, what's your greatest success story of an employee who got to learn and grow in this past year? Those are the 12 questions. When we come back from this break, we'll talk more about these 12 questions and how to approach them in the interview you're going to be conducting for a new boss. Hey, everybody, I'm always talking about the four mistakes that make people hate Monday. If you want to know more about these, I do a free webinar and there's a link in the show notes to get to the next session of that free webinar. I want to give you all of the information and it's going to be live so you can ask me questions about it too. The webinar takes about 30 minutes. I do them typically on Fridays. So if you want to join my next one, go to the link in the show notes. And I'm going to tell you all about the four mistakes that make people hate Monday. Talk to you soon. Okay, before the break, we went through the 12 questions you'll need to ask if you are going to ensure you don't get another horrible boss. Now you're thinking, Ryan, that is crazy. Nobody asks 12 questions in an interview. That's not true because you will be. And everyone who's successful in hiring a better boss asks at least 12 questions. And these 12 questions are the ones they ask. And then you might ask a few more, but everybody who's successful in hiring a better boss is going to ask them. Now, you might go on, well, you, I guess you could by luck get a better boss. So I'm not going to say everyone, but everyone who is deliberate in getting a better boss is going to ask these 12 questions. Now, you might go on some interviews where you won't ask all 12 because before you get to say number four, you're going to already know if you've got a horrible boss or not. If you get great answers to all these questions, it will feel completely natural to ask all 12. And in fact, you'll want to, because once you've got this fish on the line, this great boss, you're going to want to reel it in. If this boss is giving you great answers, don't assume that they'll have great answers to all 12. You're going to need to ask them all because they are all different topics and different things that will drive how engaged and how committed and enthusiastic you are about your job. But again, if the manager you're interviewing fails miserably on even the first two questions, simply end the interview and let them know you'll be in touch on your decision. Again, you're interviewing them. You might as well put it that way. That's it. That's all you have to do. No horrible boss or even a mediocre boss is going to have great answers to any of these questions. Not any of them. So you're going to be able to rule out some bosses in the first one or two questions. Hey, thanks for joining me today. That's it for today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Also, go sign up for at least the basic subscription of lovemondaylikefriday.com. It is behind a paywall. It's nine bucks a month, but you get all of the resources I talked about today, plus the ones that build on those free resources. You'll be able to see videos, get resources, get questions that you're going to have to work through. You're going to get work. You're going to get homework to do, but it's nine bucks a month. You can cancel anytime, but I'm going to put new great content out there every month. That's what I've been doing. And so if you cancel, you're going to miss some stuff. So you don't want to do that. 
go out, sign up. That's the basic membership, nine bucks. The premium membership's 25 bucks, and that's gonna get you monthly time with me. All right, thanks for joining. Have a happy Monday. Go love it, just like Friday, but for a different reason. And I'll talk to you next week. Hey, don't forget about the free downloads I mentioned in this episode. If you go to the show notes, you'll be able to get the links to where you can download those resources. Totally free, gonna help you do the things we talked about in this podcast. Check it out. Also check out lovemondaylikefriday.com. You've got a lot of resources out there in the memberships. So check that out and I will talk to you soon.